This morning, I look to make the fourth installment in our series that we've been in, uh, entitled, All I Do uh, is Win. Uh, next week, we will conclude this series. Um, uh, we'll conclude this series, and we're actually going to have, we're going to con- conclude it by uh, hoping that everybody would wear a jersey of your favorite team. Uh, jersey of your favorite team. Don't hurt my eyes when you come in here. I, I, I would love to see everybody in Dallas Cowboy. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but please come, please come with your favorite jersey on as we bring this series to an end. Hope, praying it's going to be a hot time as we kind of talk about uh, teamwork, uh, kind of talk about you know, the things that, that help us uh, to win as we have uh, being thus far. Uh, so we began this series talking about the fact that God has called all of us, every one of us. He's called us into a place of winning. Uh, life has a way of making you feel like you're, you're losing. But God has called us into a place of winning. Uh, he's called us into his kingdom. Uh, because understand he's a winner. Uh, and if he's a winner, understand everything that is attached to him has to win. Regardless of whether we are taking our rightful position or not, there is a winner in you. There, no matter how much struggle, no matter how much chaos or havoc that you've gone through in the past or you may be going through in the presence, there is a winner in you. God has established that. He's placed that. And we've said that even as a corporate body, God has called us to win. God did not assemble us. He did not bring us into this type of partnership. He does not uh, bring us into unification. He's not bringing us into, you know, a, a, a place where we gather just to gather. But he's called us and he's assembled us. I'm, I'm thinking uh, any great coach, any great owner of a team, understand he is looking out and he is uh, looking at the prospects. And he, he's trying to find that person that would fit in that place, uh, whether it's uh, football, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a running back, whether it's a quarterback. He, he's looking, he's, he's trying to find the, the, the right person that would fit to bring about winning and bringing about championships. So I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about the fact that God has selected you. He has picked out among many. Many are called, but the Bible says few are chosen. So God has chosen you. He's chosen you out among those that you grew up with, out of those that you hung out with. Yeah, out of the crowd, he's picked you. And I want to suggest that even if you're not a part of the church yet, his kingdom, if you're not even saved yet, the reason that you're here is God is wooing you. Uh, Any um, prospective uh, player, understand, sometimes they invite players to come and, and, and be a part of what's going on. They're not on the team yet, but they invite them because they want to uh, 
help them to understand how, how vital or how critical or how special it is to be a part of that specific team. Can I suggest to you that if you're not saved yet and, and you're here and if you're not a part uh, of his kingdom yet, the reason that you're here is God is wooing you. Yeah, he wants to give you a glimpse of what it means to be a part of a winning team. So we've been looking at this. We've been talking about uh, our mission as a church. Uh, uh, we've been looking at what it takes for us as Christians and as a corporate body to win and uh, as a church, God has given us a mission and a vision. And we said the mission of Faith City is? All right, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and our vision is? All right, all right, I like that. Okay. So it's critical that we know that, that we know what we are part of. Any business that brings you on. They, 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 they want you to understand what they're for. They want you to understand what you're becoming a part of. Because the more that you understand that, the easier it is to uh, embrace it. Easier it is to, to, to walk into it, to, um, to walk in unity with everybody else that understands that same thing. So we said that one of the ways that we win uh, is by living out our biblical values here at Faith. And God has given us several, seven, and they are to, to love. Uh, and they are love, truth, service, generosity, excellence, diversity, and youth development. Well, this week I want to jump on the last two because we've dealt with love. We've dealt with the importance of love as individuals and as a local body, a corporate body. It is a, a, uh, very critical that we love because Christ loved us and he's yet loving us in spite of everything that we're going through. We didn't dot every I and cross every T this week, but yet his love stayed consistent. Uh, and we talked about truth, the fact that, you know, we are, uh, the, the, the Bible is full of truth. And if we are his children, we should walk in the same truth. We should regurgitate, regurgitate the same truth because it is the truth that transformed our lives. Not anything false or fallible, but it's the truth of God's word that delivered us and set us free. And we talked about service and generosity and excellence. So this morning I want to look at diversity. And I want to look at diversity when it comes to diversity in two different facets. I want to look at the fact that uh, diversity of people and diversity of gifts. Diversity of people and diversity of gifts. These two are, are critical to God. So when we look at diversity of people, let's define diversity. Diversity is fine as inclusion of different types of people, such as people of different races or culture in a group or organization. So God, understand, is a diverse God. Do, do, do we agree on that? That he is a diverse God. That, that uh, in fact, that, that, I mean, diversity came from him. Uh, he himself is diverse. God is one 
he, he is one, but he exists in three persons. He exists in the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, they all are one. They, they encompass one. So, so he is a diverse God. He's a, a, a multifaceted God. He, he's able to operate as the Father, able to operate as the Son, and able to operate as the Holy Spirit, the indwelling power that he has released into each and every one of us. So if he is, he, if he is a diverse God, understand, he has created human beings uh, of diversity. Yeah, all of us, understand, we're created in his, in his image, but each of us are different. We are distinct in our own way. <laughs> and I'm so glad about that. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I, I would hate to meet all me's. Yeah, y'all ain't going to help me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you would hate to meet all you's. Uh, yeah, because sometimes, you know, you, you can be a trip. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so all of us are, are, are different. None of us have the same DNA, the same DNA. Uh, we are all different when it comes to fingerprints. And this, this speaks of the, the genius of God. The fact that he is able to, to uh, create individuals and all of them be distinct. He knows the, the hair, the number of hairs on all of our heads. That's, that's how genius God is. That's how powerful he is. And, and, and I mean, that's the reason, one of the reasons that we ought to worship him and praise him because he's just not a common God. He, he's not anything that you put on a shelf. No, no, no. He, he's, he's awesome in himself. So we're different when it comes to to, to, to our fingerprints. In reality, you know, uh, you are one of a kind. You are one of a kind. Look at somebody and say, I, 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 you're looking at one of a kind. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at one of a kind. One of a kind, one of a kind. In fact, the psalmist tells us something significant in Psalms 139 and 14. He tells us that each and every one of us were created, or uh, we, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, this is the reason that we ought to uh, not get down on ourselves, not feel lower than anybody else, not compare ourselves to anybody else. No, no, God fearfully and wonderfully made you. Every time you look in the mirror, you ought to say that. You ought to say, I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When the enemy uh, starts speaking to you and talking to you, you ought to look in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Try that. I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so, so diversity existed, understand, in the beginning, and it exists now with you and I, but it would also exist uh, in the future or in the end. We see this. John tells us this in John 7 and 9. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. No one could count. He says, from every nation and tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Look at that. I mean, John here is telling us that there is a great multitude that's going to be in heaven. And he's telling us that, that it's going to be such a number that cannot be counted. Huh. And he says, just not going to be one particular people. No, 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 no. He, he says there's going to be nations, people of nations, people of tribes, and of language. So heaven, understand, is going to be composed of a multitude of individuals. 
I don't know, but I, I'm so glad about that. That it's just not going to be one or two di- uh, types of people in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there are going to be multiples. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there'll be no, uh, uh, yeah, there'll be no discrimination in heaven. Uh, yeah, so if you're going to heaven, you better get it on out now. Yeah, you better get rid of it now. Uh, yeah, because won't be none of that in heaven. Won't won't be. Uh, yeah, no people uh, uh, that are just specified for the suburbs and then some specified for the hood. No, no, no. We we're, we're all going to be together when we get to heaven. So we might as well start acting like it down here. Well, understand if the local church is the local expression of heaven then the local church should strive to be diverse, if at all possible. And see, some churches may be located in uh, predominantly uh, 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 some culture areas that may not be able to to do that, but if at all possible, there should be a a striving for that. Uh, Yeah. The Bible doesn't command us to do that, but it's, it's a worthy thing to, to want to see what heaven is going to look like on earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it is our desire here at Faith to be a church of diversity. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I mean, we want people of diversity in the church. I mean, when we look at race and diversity and ethnicity in Clayton, Uh, Clayton is estimated to be 69% white, 17% black, 10.5% Hispanic, and and the rest goes on. Uh, But as, understand, these percentages are changing significantly because people are migrating to this area. Uh, I mean, with all the building that is going on, Clayton is shifting, shifting, and we have to embrace that and understand that, and if Clayton is shifting, we should want that shift to be represented in the house of God. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that bothers me, and maybe it's only me, is that Sunday is the most segregated time of the week. It's amazing that we can work together. It's amazing that we can go to the restaurants together. It amazes me that we can go to, to movies and go to football games and basketball games and sit beside one another and cheer for the same team. But yet when it comes to Sunday worship, the, the house of God, the, the unification of God, that, that, that we fail to bring that into the house of God. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that it does something to God when he can see heaven taking place on earth. Yeah, I, I, I mean, when he can see diversity of people coming together under one roof and worshiping him. Can you imagine how he must feel? I mean, the psalmist kind of tells us this in Psalms 86 and 9. He says, all nations, uh, uh, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. So, so, so it brings glory to God when he sees heaven represented in earth. Uh, when he sees uh, uh, people to coming together and setting aside their agenda, setting aside uh, uh, their thoughts to to come together and worship him, to have that experience. It it does something to God. So we're his. So understand all of us have the responsibility 
all of us can take this responsibility and invite others to the house of God. Yeah, inviting neighbors and friends and, and co-workers uh, to the house of God because we want to represent, we, wanna, uh, we want them to understand or we want the world to understand that though it may be divided out there, that we can come into the house of God and we can worship together. We can glorify the same God, the one that created each and every one of us, the one that formed us, the one that, that, that has our destiny and plan. Uh, he, he has brought us all, or he desires to bring us all together. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't be afraid to invite others. I mean, they say it's a poor frog that doesn't praise his own pond. So if you're excited about your church, then you should be excited to tell others. Anybody excited about their church? Yeah. yeah. So we, we should bring that excitement not only to a house or not only on Sunday, but that excitement should exude throughout the week that causes people to uh, pause and and want to be a, a part of what is happening in our life. Though they're seeing us uh, going through troubles, but yet we're praising God. Though they see us uh, uh, going through issues, but we are still lifting up the name of Jesus. That, that there ought to be something that draws them to us that we can share this Jesus that we serve. So here at Faith, understand, we are committed to creating an atmosphere where all can worship, serve, and grow in their personal relationship with God. And that's going to become more evident as we transition to the new facility. It's going to become more elevant, so ele evident. So I want us to embrace that. So, so let's look at this. So then there is diversity of gifts. So not only does God want diversity of people, but he wants diversity of gifts. Yeah, he wants diversity of, of gifts. So it is essential for the church to, to function and to prosper. In order to do so, understand, people must exercise their gift that God has given them. And the truth of the matter is, is that every believer, every individual, well, every individual, every believer, uh, understand, God has given you something significant to use in the kingdom. Every one of us has something, at least one gift that he's placed in us to, to function in the house of God. But the question is whether you use it or not. It's there, but will you use it? Will you go to the grave or will you allow life to go on without using what God has deposited on the inside? I, I, I mean, who would, being given a precious gift, not open it, not use it? I mean, after all, the, the, the expense has been paid in order for that gift that, that you just want to look at it and never open it. Yeah. Can I suggest that, that what God has put into each and every one of us is precious? It's a gift. If the, it's a gift from him. We're going to deal, deal with that. It's a gift from him. So, so, so you have been gifted by God. And it's important to know what that gift is. Because wasting what God has given you, understand, is a shame. To waste what God, the creator, the one that hung the moon and stars, 
that he has given you. Yeah. So the spirit has distributed different gifts to different people. And this is what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Look at what he says. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributed them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in every one is the same God at work. So the first thing that Paul tells us, the first thing that leaps out of the text, uh, Paul tells us about diversity of gifts. Matter of fact, this Greek word gifts is uh, uh, the word charisma, charisma. And it literally means a gift of grace. Yeah, a gift of grace. Uh, th th that means that none of us really should get beside ourselves. Yeah, yeah, none of us should get the high horse. Not, none of us should think ourselves above anybody else because it is a grace gift. Uh, so whatever you do, well, well, whatever you do in the house of God, whatever gift that he's given you, understand, the only reason that you can do it is because he gave it to you. Yeah, I often say I get to do this. Uh, yeah, because I don't deserve it. I, I don't deserve standing up here. I, I, I don't deserve articulating God's word. If you would just know my past, if you would just know my shortcomings, I, I don't deserve to be up here. But it is the grace of God. Woo, the grace of God, the grace, the grace of God. So whatever we're doing, understand, we don't deserve it. No, we're, we're not entitled to it. We didn't earn it, but it is God's grace. Yeah, it's God's grace. And the second thing that Paul tells us, is the source of these gifts. He says there are different kinds of gifts. He says, but the same spirit. When I read that, not only did, does he reiterate that one time, but he reiterates that three times in, this, in, in, in these three texts, in these three verses. He says, but the same spirit distributes. And then he says, uh, uh, the same Lord. And then he says, the same God at work. He's trying to get us to understand that the gift that we have, understand, didn't come from your mama. Uh, it didn't come from your daddy. No, but he says that God is the giver of every gift that we have. So whatever we're operating in, it's not ours, it's God's. Uh, and this is critical. This is critical because though we have diversity of gifts, they only come from one source. So Paul is addressing this. And the reason that Paul is addressing this is because, understand, this Corinthian church was full of gifts. Yeah, they were full of gifts and they were getting beside themselves. Some were putting down others because, you know, they couldn't speak in tongue. Uh, you know, uh, putting down others because, you know, they, 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 their gift wasn't out front. Uh, you know, maybe they were using their gift behind the scenes. But how many know whether you use your gift in front or behind is still an important gift? Yeah. So he was addressing this. So he, he was addressing this because anytime this happens, understand, it's a terrible misuse of spiritual gifts. I mean, I mean I've, been, I've been in the church 34 years. I've been pastoring over 21 years. And uh, how many know that there's nothing new under the sun? So if Paul was dealing with it in his day, understand it exists today. 
Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I've seen people who, who thought that they were more gifted than anybody else. I, I've seen people who, who thought that their gift wasn't subject to anyone. I, I, I've seen people operating in gifts and, and not thinking that their gifts should be reined in. Yeah. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, we get stuck in ourselves. Sometimes we want... We, we, we believe that gift is just for us. Yeah, but anytime God gives us something, understand it's, 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 it's for more than us. Yeah, he, he doesn't give it to you so you can harbor it, so you can prostitute it. No, no, he gives it to you for his glory. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 4 and 33, he says that God is not the author of confusion. So no gift being expressed should bring confusion. Uh, matter of fact, if you go down to verse 40, he tells us that, 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 that God does everything in a fitting and orderly way. Fitting. That means that whatever your gift is, is to fit in place. Yeah, that whatever he's gifted you in, it's, it's to fit in the vision. It's to fit in the mission. It, it's not to, uh, so that you could be lifted up. Uh, but so that you could fit in that uh, the kingdom can be lifted up. And that's one problem in the body of Christ today is that people want to use their gift to elevate them instead of elevating God. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've seen people come and I've seen people go. I, I, I've seen people, some people leave because they fail to understand that the purpose of every gift is to help the function or the church function more effectively. It's not for selfish ambition. God is concerned about his bride. He's concerned that the church is functioning properly. He's concerned that the church gets the job done. He's concerned that the church is the salt and the light. He's concerned that the church is the ingredient that makes the difference in a dark world, in a world full of chaos and havoc. It's the church that he wants to shine. Mm. Yeah, so it's not about us. It's about him. Yeah, God gives gifts to build up. So they're not weapons to slay, nor are they toys to play with. Ah. No, they're, not, they're to be used. And this is what Paul tells us, because the third thing that Paul tells us here in, in, in verse 7, he says, uh, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Uh, and that's critical. He says the common good. Uh, the Greek word here is sumphiro, uh, and this word literally means to bring together. He says every gift that has been given, uh, each one has been given for the manifestation of the spirit and is given to bring together, not to divide, not to separate, uh, not to cause confusion, but to bring in unity, to help build up the house. Matter of fact, uh, it means to benefit or to profit or the advantage. So God has given uh, every gift for the benefit, the profit, and the advantage of others. Yeah. Uh, just, just look at yourself and say, it's, it's not about me. No, it, it's not about me. Now, now, in the moment that we realize that, the moment that we realize 
that it's not about me, that it's about us. That it's about God's body. That it's about his work being done and not our work. It's about advancing his agenda and not our agenda. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the more quickly we are able to be effective, the more quickly we're able to be productive, to, to prosper in what God has called us to do. Matter of fact, the message Bible says this. He says, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Entire church. Entire church. All of us. Every gift is meant to bring everybody along. To help everybody. So, so there, there, there are no, no, Lord, we're not to look down at anybody. No, 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 we're not to criticize anybody. But our job is to embrace them, to love them. To, if they're not where we are, then we help them to get to where we are. To help bring them along in what God has destined for their life. So whatever gift God has given you, understand it's an important part in the functioning of the church. That really shows uh, really your significance in what God is doing. And one of the things that the enemy wants to make us think is, is that we are insignificant. That we don't matter. Many times he causes trouble and heartache and pain in our life so that we could judge our own selves and belittle our own self and think that we're, we, we don't matter. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you are part of the kingdom of God, you matter. Uh, so God brings diversity of gifts together to make a whole. It's kind of like a cook. I, I don't know. I, I probably got some cooks in here. Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, you're gonna bring, uh, you're gonna bring some uh, some significant. You're gonna bring some ingredients in. I, I mean, if you're baking a cake, you're gonna bring all the ingredients in that you know to help make that. Cake, especially if you're making it from scratch. I was talking to somebody the other day, but I don't know who it was. We were talking about. Uh, I was we was talking about baking, and I was telling them that my grandmother she made cakes from scratch. She didn't do box cakes. I I I, I mean, she would. I mean, she would make them seven-layer cakes. I mean, in the holidays, she would make the chocolate cakes, the pound cake. The uh, she would make the the coconut cake. She 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 would make the red velvet cake, the pineapple cake. Oh, can you imagine all that from scratch? Can you imagine how that? I, I miss my grandma. Uh, I, I, I mean, because you know, uh, people don't do it like you know they 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 used to do it, you know. Uh, you, you know, you want Jiffy cornbread, you got to get it out of the box. You, you, you want biscuits, you got to pop it out of the can. No, no. My grandma, would, I was telling them that I used to, well, ne never mind. Because uh, uh, that, that's, that's just, that's just tantalizing. Uh, yeah, lick the bowl. There you go. Hey, it must have been you I was talking to. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so understand that God has brought us together just like, he, just like a, 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 a good cook brings their ingredients to, to, to make something uh, delectable, God has assembled us for something awesome. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Isn't anybody glad that you've been assembled for something awesome? Ah, uh, that, that the reason that God chose you, the reason that he picked you out, the reason that he's bringing you along, that he's not letting the trial and all these things beat you down, but he's bringing you up and he's bringing you out. He's delivering you, that he's doing that, glory to God, so that you can be a part of something awesome. Amen. Mm. So just because, <laughs> yeah. Just because you can't sing doesn't mean that you're not important. Uh, I, I mean, just because you don't stand on stage and teach doesn't make you any less valuable. So the person that's greeting at the door is just as significant as a person serving in media. The person working with the youth is just as important as the deacons in this ministry. So we have to understand that, that everybody is significant. And this is what God, this is what Paul even says in verse 10. He says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And how many know that uh, you need all your organs? He says, just as the body needs its parts. I mean, you don't, you don't believe that your, your parts are... Uh, are, are, are needful. I mean, ask somebody blind how needful their eyes are. Ask somebody that's on kidney dialysis how needful their kidneys is. I, I, I mean, so, so every part of our body is significant. And this is what Paul and this is what the Lord is trying to get us to understand is that everybody is needful in the house of God. The church needs diversity in operation. It needs diversity of people, but it also needs people of diverse talents and gifts working in the body of Christ in order that the body can be made whole so that we could be one in body. Hmm. I mean, he tells us this. Look at, look at this. He reiterates this. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 5 and 20, he says, Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. Imagine that. Imagine just your foot just saying, you know, I, I'm getting off today. <laughs> I mean, help me understand, how would you travel? I mean, I stumped my toe. And I understand how important that toe is. Because it'll put you down. Yes, sir. How important the thumb is that you, you, you need it to grip things. And if you didn't have it, understand you would have to depend on somebody else or some other mechanism in order to grab. So he's trying to help us understand is that every part of the body is critical. Every part of the body. He says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body. I, I, I mean, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. See, if the whole body were the eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body, imagine, imagine this church just full of ushers. I mean, we'd be doing good ushering, but everything else would falter. Imagine, imagine no singing. I mean, I understand, I, you know, I can articulate, but I, I, I like worship. I understand worship's place, that it sets the atmosphere, 
that it makes conducive for people to receive the word of God. It's difficult when we don't have no worship. Y'all ain't going to help me. Well, it's difficult for me because I, I, I like worship. I'm a worshiper. So, so we have to understand that every part of the body is critical. So just like the body isn't able to function properly without every part, the church is not able to function properly without diversity of gifts and operations. Right now, I mean, we would be more effective as a church if every, every gift were operating. If everybody in here that had a gift, if you raised up and operated in that, imagine how much we could do. Imagine, y'all, those singing on the praise team, they ain't the only ones that can sing in this church. I mean, we got good ushers, but they, they ain't the only ushers. I mean, we, we have a good youth department, but I, I know we got some more teachers in here. Amen. Our media team is off the chain, but I know I, we got somebody else in here Lord, that can add to that. Amen. And that's what God is trying to get us to understand. I, I mean, we, we got good outreach, but I believe we got some people in here that can add to that outreach. Somebody that can touch the, 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 the community in another capacity to bring faith into another avenue to be a blessing to this community. I believe that. And we have to exercise that. So what gift? What gift do you have? What gift do you have? And are you using it in order for the church to function at its greatest capacity? Or do we just come and celebrate and have a good time? Or are we using it to help push the kingdom of God? Because the truth of the matter is, is that every one of us are vital to the mobility of God's kingdom. It's not dependent on one or two, three or four, five or six. God has gifted us all with something to contribute to the advancement of his kingdom. I mean, what would happen if everybody used their gift to build up Faith City Church? I mean, you're talking about winning. I mean, we would turn Clayton and the surrounding area upside down. Oh. Yeah, we would be like those in the book of Acts. that They testified about that these were they that turned the world upside down. Why? Because they were using what God had put into them oh, for his glory. I like what Mother Teresa said. This is a quote from her. She says, and I quote, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. But together, we can do great things. How many want to do some great things? Woo! And that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to do some great things. I got to go. I got four minutes to deal with you. <laughs> but, but imagine how many families we could change. Imagine the community we could impact. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, imagine uh, uh, families and generations that we could deposit into 
that could ultimately bring a change because again it's not about us what we do is going to bring somebody else along and then what they do is going to bring somebody else along so we're changing generations not just our family it's not about just our four no more but it's about everybody that we can impact that's why God has assembled that's why God is calling us so let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's deal with the youth and I'm out. Lastly is the youth. Youth development. So winning involves helping to develop our youth. I mean, with all that is going on today, can't we see the significance of our youth? Can't we see the significance of impacting their life? Can't we see the significance of helping them to avoid some things that we had to go through? Now I understand that there are some things that they need to go through. Yeah, because we, 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 we have, how can I say that? We, we, we made it easy in some facets. When we said that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want them to have to deal with some of the things that, you know, I had to deal with. But can I tell you that the reason that you're the person that you are today is because of some of the things that you went through. It made you better. It empowered you. It helped you to be able to deal with things a little bit better. So we can't snatch them out of everything. Some things they need to go through. Some things they need to have, uh, have hurt them. Some things that they need to suffer through because it's going to make them better in the long run. Uh, so our youth today understand are under attack. Satan is trying to prohibit the future from advancing. He's trying to, to stop our young children. I, I talked last week about the excellent spirit that Daniel had. The Bible talked about his excellent spirit, and Daniel was a teenager with excellent spirit. And I paused. I, I said, well, how did he get that? It just didn't drop up on him. I mean, his mama, his daddy, somebody deposited that excellent spirit in him. Somebody told him about the ways of God. Somebody took him to Sunday Children's Church. Somebody uh, took time to read the Bible to him. Somebody prayed over him. Somebody deposited something in him that made for that excellent spirit. And that's our job as parents, as family members, and as a local body. It's our job to deposit in our young people to make a difference in their life. There's an old adage, African uh, uh, adage that says it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village. And I, I remember that. So uh, uh, when I was coming up, I remember that. Yeah, because my mama gave legal right to the whole neighborhood. Yeah, that, that if you found David down there doing something, that you didn't have to wait to get him back, get, get him back home for me to whoop him, you whoop him. You, I, I, I can remember, I, I can remember getting out of school one day, all my time, I, I can remember, you know, I got mad at one of my friends and uh, I, I knocked on his door trying to get him out of the house and I broke his window pane. In the, in the door, you know, the door had like five or six, six or, six or eight window panes. I broke one of them. And boy, my mama said, every time they mention that window, you're going to get a whooping. I mean, they whooped me and my mama whooped me. 
And then I got whoopings after that. Anytime, whether it was, you know, it's time to pay for the window or whatever it was, she whooped me. But they whooped me too. But it helped me. It helped me understand responsibility and stuff. But and today, people, people don't want you to test their child. Don't touch my child. Don't you put no hand on them. But that's, that's what helped us to get to where we are. It helped us. Under, well, that's another story. But, but I think sometimes as parents, we, we become, uh, we've given our children too much leeway. You know, uh, we have a responsibility to guide our children, uh, to guide them. Uh, the church has a responsibility to guide them as well. I mean, this is what Solomon said in Proverbs 22 and 6. I'm just about finished. He says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train, train, instruct, instruct that child. We have a responsibility to instruct our children. Instruct them. The church has a responsibility to instruct our children, to, to teach them the word of God but also make it applicable so that they, when they're in classrooms, when they're on the playground, that they can be able to take that same word and use it for the betterment of them. The NIV says, start children off on the way they should go. Start them off. Don't leave it up to them. Don't leave it up to them. You start them off on the right path. You, you, you set the pattern for them to follow. The message Bible says, point your child in the right direction. Don't let the neighbor, don't, 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 don't let the gang do it. No, 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 don't, don't let that bad influence, uh, sir, do it. No, you do it. You know what it takes. You, you knew what it takes. You knew what, you knew what it takes. You, you knew what it takes for you. It's going to take that same thing for them. So as parents and as a church, we have an obligation to do so. Uh, and then I like what Psalm says, Psalms 127 and 4. You can go back and look at this. It says, uh, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. So David here, I understand he's comparing children to arrows. And this is significant because uh, for the warrior in David's days, arrows were critical. I, I mean, they didn't have no AKA. I, I mean, they use arrows. So he had to, the warrior had to take that arrow, had to cut the wood off, had to, had to uh, uh, take those, those, those bad parts out, had to uh, 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 let it dry in order that it would shoot in the right direction, that it would shoot at the intended target, that it would be so straight that when it's shot, that it wouldn't err to the left or to the right. He says, that's how we should do our children. Because we are the bow and they're the arrows. And we have a responsibility to shoot them in the right direction. Uh, so the world doesn't lead them astray. Uh, and once we have taught them, understand it's embedded in them. I still remember stuff my mama told me. My daddy told me. It's embedded in there. And every time I go to do wrong, every time I meet a situation, that stuff comes back to me. Why? Because it's been deposited. Our job is to deposit it. Yeah, one, 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 one plan of one water, but God give the increase. So I, when we do our job, God will do his. Can I get a witness in the building? Uh, so this one, I'm, 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 I'm done. And this is why we should support our youth. 
This is why we should support our youth ministry. That's why we should bring our children to children's church, to events. That's why we should volunteer. That's why we should do everything we can to help our youth. To help our youth. Because not, they're not the next generation. They're the generation of today. And we have to equip them for success. Ooh. We got to equip them to be overcomers. Equip them that when they face a challenge, that they don't have to give up. When they face a challenge, they don't have to grab a gun. When they face a challenge, yeah, they don't have to fight. No. There's another way to handle it. Yeah. So we have an obligation. And as Faith City Church, we are committed to helping develop our youth. And again, that's going to become more evident as we move to the next facility. Because what you're sitting in right now, we're going to yield that to our team ministry. And then, I, I, and, and then we're going to instruct our youth, well, we need a team leader. We need somebody that's going to willing to stand up and take, take, take that charge of our teams. I mean, when, when we look around, we see more teens and more people coming to church. Well, we got to deposit in them. We can't let it get, get it all on television. Get it all on the phone. I mean, it's amazing. Our children are just... You know. I mean, this is the conversation now. You know, you can be texting somebody sitting beside you. Instead of talking to them. But we have an obligation to help, help our children understand what's important in life. What's important. Because there's an enemy that don't care nothing about them. Doesn't care anything about them. And, and, and we see that on, on television. We see that with all these videos and all this stuff that is, that's coming out. That's tantalizing to our children. So we, we have to, if we are, we can't leave it up to somebody else. We have a responsibility. And when we do it, we'll make a difference in the life of our children. Anybody glad about that? I don't just want us to be a church where the adults come and get fed. Where the adults come and get what they need. The whole household needs it. Our children need it. They need to be empowered. So love, truth, service, generosity, excellence, diversity, and youth development are our values here to help position us as a church to win. It helps us to fulfill our mission, help us to fulfill our vision. They help us to win this Christian walk, this journey, this fight that we're in. Anybody excited about being a winner? <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ah, come on and rest on your feet on today. God is challenging us in this season to be everything that he's called us to be. He's challenging us to exercise these values in our life because that's what's going to make a difference in our lives and the life of others. Maybe there's somebody up under the sound of my voice this morning. One that you don't.